2 Timothy. And uh, I'm going to end up in chapter 1, but let's read our three verses, four verses there in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. And uh, yes, we are in a series of messages on what is sound doctrine. Verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you have brought your Bibles, I trust that you have. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. And this is the Apostle Paul, Paul the aged, giving some instruction to this young pastor, Pastor Timothy. And here he goes, and this is what we preached last week. Preach the Word. That's what we preached. We preached on what is preaching of the Word. And he says, Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Remember I said two negatives, one positive. Why would you say that, preacher? Because it's there in the text. He says, You reprove, you rebuke, and you exhort. The Lord laid this on my heart. I said, You might have two negative messages or one positive message. But uh, let me give you a P.S. on that. You might get all three in one message. You might get some reproving and rebuking, but then you might get exhorting in the message. Um, a good message, if you're going to lay it out, will have reproving, rebuking, but then it'll have what we call remedy. How do you get it right? <laughs> you know, uh, how do you bandage me up after the preacher's cut you or the Word of God's cut you? You kind of, those paper cuts, boy, I, had, I got a couple this week. And then you kind of, bleed and they hurt you know oh, I, I need some remedy and so you give some remedy so you can look at it that way too because uh, you might get three positive messages uh, but with a little reproving so you can look at that in multiple different ways and he says verse 3 for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine that's our phrase for our series what is sound doctrine and he says but after their own lusts Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Now let's go to chapter 1, because we're going to preach part 2. And part 2, we're going to find it here in this second epistle. Here in about verse, oh, I want to say verse, what is it, verse 5? Yeah, but let's, let's read from verse 1, okay? And he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Now here's our verse. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. That's what we're going to preach today. What is an unfeigned faith? That word unfeigned means not fake, okay? Uh, contrasted with a feigned faith, feigned faith, feign would be fake. Now that's an interesting topic because, boy, uh, uh, a great percentage of the people in the world today claim 
Christianity. They claim to believe. They claim to have this thing called salvation. But the Bible spends a lot of time. Jesus spent a lot of time over there in Matthew chapter 7. He says, there's a lot of people that called on my name. There's a lot of people that preach in my name. There's a lot of people that do miracles in my name and do works in my, my name. But I never knew them. Now, he didn't say he knew them for a while, and then all of a sudden they lost it, and then he doesn't know. He said, I never knew them. That means they were never born again. They were never a child of God. They had a feigned faith. And part of sound doctrine, if we're to be biblical about its definition, is that we would be solid, sound doctrine means solid, sound in our faith. That means that we know whom we have believed, and we're persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And we'll get to that verse. That's verse 12 there in chapter 1. That's on eternal security. That's what we'll preach, Lord willing, next week. Why do we, why is eternal security part of sound faith? We'll talk about that next week. But this morning... We need to get over there where Christ got with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man. Nicodemus was a good man. Nicodemus believed in God and had the scriptures and read them daily and practiced them. But Jesus said, ye must be born again. So he was missing something. And Paul here is reminding Timothy that whatever he had, which was salvation by grace through faith, it was not fake. It was the real deal. Boy, I want to preach on that. Now let's finish the verse. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now I'm going to throw this in here. This will be free. It won't cost you. You won't have to take me out to lunch <laughs> afterward. But I get, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times, somebody will come up to me. Uh, it happened uh, up when I was up there uh, at Hope Baptist Church, and I, I was preaching away. And I am telling you, the preacher can just about tell who's fake and who's not. Because Paul here was telling Timothy, I am persuaded that you've been born again. And boy, that's that big thing today. It's like, well, you don't know. You don't know my heart, and, and yeah, I probably don't, but let me tell you this. Let me talk with you about five minutes, because this Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaketh. And I'll spend five minutes with you, and I will tell you what you've spent the majority of the last 24 hours thinking about. You give me 10 minutes with you in the Word of God, and I can tell you what kind of spirit is in you, whether it's the Holy Spirit or if it's a wicked, foul spirit. You say, oh, I threw that in there free because he said, I was persuaded. This was the preacher. Paul said, I'm persuaded, Timothy, that you've been born again, and what you got's not fake. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I was explaining to somebody, there's nobody here, that when I preach, and I've demonstrated this 
I won't this morning because I don't want to try to retune my guitar without my tuning fork, and I can't find my tuning fork. The preaching truth has a particular ring to it. You've heard that phrase, truth has a ring. When you preach the Word of God, and the Word of God goes out and bounces off of you and comes back, I can tell that it, whether you've been born again because you'll bring back true. You won't wah, 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 wah. That's how a string on that guitar does. It's actually a little out of tune this morning. It begins to annoy me. I didn't tune it before we started. I just picked it up thinking it'd be okay. And it's not. It's a little out of tune. And I can hear that thing as it begins to wave on me. Well, when you preach... Or when you speak to people with the Word of God, you can tell by how that sound comes back, whether they're bearing witness. If the Holy Spirit of God will always bear witness, it'll always ring back right on tune. But boy, a demonic spirit, a lost spirit, it never will. It always comes back flat. I was explaining this to an individual. It's kind of like lost people show up as red to me. Whereas saved people show up okay. But if there's lost people, when I begin to preach and begin to teach and I begin to watch, that's why I'm looking, I'm watching. I'm watching as you communicate back with me through your body language. Lost people to me show up red. I'm not the only preacher. Don't think I've, I've not been, I didn't change my medicine. I've not been out in a cave somewhere with some 600 wing angel. Uh, I'm telling, I'm not the only preacher. I get, when us preachers get together, we talk about stuff like that. I would say, can, can you see that? Can, can you discern that? Well, yeah, absolutely. I was in a, a revival meeting last year. Uh, a brother was preaching here that was in town. I went up to be a part of it. And I, I immediately discerned in the, in, the, in the preaching that there was one lost person. I was sitting over and I knew they were sitting over there on my right about in the back of the church. I could tell it. I'm sitting there with my Bible like there's a lost person. I just looked up that there's a lost person here. And I thought, it's over there. So I began to kind of just look over at those people. I, 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 knew, I knew there was a lost person there. So how would you know that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, he was there, and I, I, could t- I could feel the vibe as that preacher was preaching. There was, a, there was somebody out of tune over here. Now, they, they weren't making no noise. I could sense it spiritual. Well, I got at the end of the service, it began to really bother me. It's like, well, maybe I'm just, I'm 51, and maybe I eat too many hamburgers or something, and I'm flipping out. And so I asked the two preachers, I asked the pastor and the preacher that was doing the preaching, I said, did you discern there was a lost person? I said, can you, when you're preaching, can you discern saved people and lost? He said, yeah. He said, by the way, there was two lost people in here tonight. I said, there was. I said, well, I got the one. The one was on my right in the back. He said, yep, that was one of them. But there was one sitting behind you on the left. She was lost. I said, you're kidding me. I said, I missed that one. So I'm not the only preacher. When you spend time in the Word of God, you spend time with the Holy Spirit of God. God gives you what He calls the gift of discernment. And the Apostle Paul was persuaded. He did know that what Timothy had was real. And we won't talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you now. Lord, we love you. Help us today as we preach. Lord, help us. Lord, to understand sound doctrine is having a real faith, a real belief in you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
Now, what Paul was saying to Timothy was he was not a recipient of easy believism. Boy, that is something that has swept across this country. That is something that was very prevalent down in this neck of the wood where people would come out and I'm telling you how they work. They just walk up to a person on the street and say, hey, would you like to go to heaven? And they say, of course, who wants to, who does not want to go to heaven? Well, yeah, I want to go to heaven. Well, then say, repeat after me. This is what they'll say. Repeat after me. Oh, Lord. And they'll give a little sinner's prayer. And they repeat after them. And then they say, all right, you're my brother in Christ. See you. Bye. Say, right there, we won one. That guy goes out. I've, I've been with that group. I'm not a, I don't believe in easy believism. I believe there's something called good old-fashioned conviction. And we're going to talk about that this morning. There's a bothering. You're going to begin to be bothered about who you are and that you need God. Let me tell you something. Conviction. You need to have conviction. If there's no conviction, there will be no conversion. Salvation is easy, but you need to understand what you're doing. Called the light of the glorious gospel. And so they'll walk around and those person, people that they're leading, they say they're leading to Christ, are no more saved than the man in the moon. That's why they keep on going down their life. They're still living in sin. They're still doing what they want. They don't ever darken a church door. They won't even read their Bible. They can't quote you a verse of Scripture. But now you can't ever convince them they're lost because some devil has come by and fooled them into thinking they're saved. And it's a fake faith. And boy, it's prevalent in this neck of the woods. Every door I knock on, you, those, everybody's saved down here. I'm amazed that there isn't even a liquor store open with all Christians living in Morristown. I got news for you. Everybody's not saved. Crime is at an all-time high. It's a mess. But Paul said, Timothy, I'm persuaded you got the real deal. Oh, it's clear from Scripture. Timothy was not a recipient of cheap grace. That's what I'm talking about. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without repentance. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. It's grace without the cross. And it's grace without Jesus Christ. That's cheap grace. And there's too much preaching on cheap grace. There's too much believing in cheap grace. And let me tell you where cheap grace will get you. Right into the lake of fire. Cheap grace will not make you get to heaven. Cheap grace. If you think that you can be born again and continue to live in sin and continue just to do whatever you want and it never bothers you, you are a recipient of cheap grace. Cheap grace. This Bible says in Titus chapter 2 about verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. When you get saved, here's what happens. Denying ungodliness. Oh, yeah. And worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't be saved for any length of time. And when you, the first time you try to do what you used to do, and boy, there's a whole list of things over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You had drunks, you had homosexuals, you had murderers, you had thieves, you had people given to wrath and anger and abuse to other people. But he says, in such were some of you, but now are you justified? Now are you sanctified through the blood of Christ? Let me tell you something. You might have come from that kind of lifestyle. I don't care what you were, homo, transgender. I don't care what you've done. When you come to Jesus and you accept and you get in on the gospel, and I mean you fell under conviction and you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, you cannot continue that lifestyle. It will make you miserable. You'll lose your mind. You'll lose your mind. There's a lot of people that are probably saved that's going to continue to try to live like they were when they were lost and they will totally lose their mind. They will sit up in bed. They will think they're seeing things that they're not seeing. Oh, it's a mess. I've watched God bring the hammer down on people that were saved that refused to live for God and they went off the deep end mentally. This was a real faith, and it is part of sound doctrine. The Bible says that Jesus gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. God said, I'm going to save you from your sin. I'm not saving you to stay in your sin. What did he tell the woman at the well? Or when the woman at the well it was the woman they brought to him been taken in adultery. Everybody loves that passage of scripture. Well, he that is without sin cast the first stone. See, I love my sin. Jesus says to sin. Same. No. What did he tell her? He says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? Sin no more. Jesus, nowhere in this Bible does God tell you, go on out and sin it all up, honey. It's okay. I've paid for it all. Sin it up. It's okay. Put it on God's credit card of grace. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So the first thing that we need to see to analyze, do we have an unfeigned faith? First thing that needs to happen, take your Bible to Acts chapter 26. Let me give it to you in Scripture. Acts chapter 26. This is the Apostle Paul. There should be no problem about what's being preached or taught. Verse 17, he's talking to a Gentile king, Agrippa. He says, now look. Verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. Do you see that? And to turn them from darkness to the light. This Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the devil, the God of this world, has blinded the eyes or the minds of men so they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel, before you can be saved, you're going to have to be able to see. 
You, but the gospel, the preaching, the word of God is going to have to be able to illuminate you. That's why this Bible says that God is light and in him is no darkness. Light, you can't, I'm getting to the age now where I can't really walk in the dark without a flashlight. It's hard for me to go into a dark room. I never remember having those problems when I was younger. Uh, I, I, but, but now I do. And I need a little light. I need a light bulb on. Light illuminates things. Light allows you to see things so you don't stumble. The gospel is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. And when the preaching goes forth, there should be the Holy Spirit that will begin to illuminate and shine the light so you can see the gospel. Man cannot be saved until he sees God's light. That would be Jesus. We must preach Jesus. It's going to do us no good to preach anything else but Jesus. Jesus is the light. You're going to have to see Jesus as God manifested in the flesh. You're going to have to see Jesus as God's sacrifice for your sins. And you're going to have to see that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> no man cometh to the Father but by me. You're going to have to see that. That's part of illumination. You've heard me refer to it as part of the awakening. That's when the light bulb goes on. You understand what I'm talking about. You might be dealing with a problem. You might be trying to put something together. You might be trying to work something out, and it's confusing. You sit there and think about it, and all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb goes on. You have the solution. You do it, and it works. That's what he's talking about, light. Being able to open their eyes so they can see Christ. The Lord said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We must preach Jesus. But before you can be saved, you must see Jesus. And I don't mean seeing a light. I don't mean seeing something in the dark. I'm talking about seeing Him through the Word of God. That this is God's Son. God's sacrifice for me and for you. You're not only going to have to see. There's going to have to be the eyes and the light bulb comes on. Now, buckle up. There's going to have to be a sickening. So you got a scene. An unfeigned faith has a scene, but an unfeigned faith has a sickening. Now, you hang with me. You pay attention. Because this is where 90% of all professing people that profess to be Christians, they fail. You're going to have to see yourself through God's eyes. There's a lot of people that say, well, I see myself, I'm not that bad. There's been people I've dealt with, and when it comes to the point of helping them try to see from Scripture that they're a sinner, they'll immediately respond with, I don't think I'm that bad. That's because you're not looking at yourself through God's eyes. There's not only going to have to be a scene that Jesus is God, and that's real important, but you're going to have to see that your sin makes God sick. You're going to have to be sick of yourself and sick of how God sees you. You're a lost sinner. Here's what the Bible says. 
the best we got. God's, in God's eyes, our best are filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now, let me get you in with the language of the Bible. We think of a filthy rag, we think of a dish towel or a, or a washcloth that we might have let soured. That's not the mental picture you need to take from this. You've got to understand that in this day, uh, they had a thing called leprosy. And when a person was leprous, they would wrap themselves in rags because a lot of times that leprosy would ooze and parts of the body would begin to fall off and they would rot and they would stink. And oh, by the way, if you had leprosy in the Bible, you had to hold a, a mask, a rag over your face. And as you got up to coming up to somebody, you had to social distance and you had to say, unclean, I'm unclean. And that way people could stay away from you because leprosy is contagious. But my point is these filthy rags that he's talking about here is those pus putrid rags that come off of those, those, those people's skin and it stinks and it's filthy and it's dirty and it's sickening. And that's how you look and that's how I look in God's eyes before we got saved. And if you've never been sickened by your condition and never been sickened on how God is seeing you without Jesus. You see, part of the salvation process is that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins and God puts the blood of Christ on us and He heals us of our leprosy of sin. He heals us of our putrid self and He heals us and He saves us and He sanctifies us and He justifies us. But that can't happen unless you're sick of yourself and you've been sickened. Now, I believe most professing, professing Christians have not been born again because they have never seen themselves through the light of the glorious gospel. I, as a six-year-old boy, and I'm telling you, it's, I'm not complicating this. At six years old, I was sick of myself, sick of my sin, because I'd been taught from an early age that lying was wrong. Lying was terrible. Lying was not right. And it was putrid in the face and eyes of God. And God would literally, uh, if you continue to lie and reject Christ, that you would find yourself in a devil's hell. And I had to come to the point through the gospel preaching that I begin to see myself through God's eyes and begin to be sick of who I was. A sickening. You see, sin should make you sick. And that's why I said this crowd running around here that thinks it's okay to live in sin and try to convince you and convince me that they're saved, they've never seen themselves in the light of the glorious gospel. They don't think sin makes God sick. And I got news for you. 
God, if sin makes God so sick, he can't deal with it that he even sent his only son to die on the cross. He said, I can't deal with it. I can't look on it. I will not dwell with it. I'm sick of it. And then people want to say, well, my sin's okay. No, it's not. Sin is putrid. It's filthy. And if you've never seen yourself as sick, and if you've never been sickened in your gut about your sin, I question, and this preacher is not persuaded, (laughs) that what you have is unfeigned. Sin made Isaiah sick. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5, when Isaiah seen the Christ high and seen the Lord high and lifted up, and then he said, he looked at himself and he began to see himself through God's eyes. He says, woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. So Isaiah was sick of his sins. Job was sick It made Job sick. Job 40 verse 4 says, Behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. He was doing that because he was unclean in the eyes of God. He says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let me say this. If you've never been sickened by your sins, you're still lost. The reason people are not saved is because they have a deadly appetite for sin. They love their sin. When you get sick and tired of your sins, when you see yourself as God sees you in the filth of sin, then and only then will you truly come to the cross. Until then, you're just not sick enough yet. You see, this Bible warns us there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about a whole group of people like this. Let's turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now we're going to hurry. Verse 1. Here's a group of people that has a fake faith. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Know anybody like that? Just so in love with themselves that they don't care about nobody else. That's a lost person. There'll be covetousness. There'll be boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers. That's cussers. They're disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Do I need to get into that? Natural affection is somebody that would kill or abort a baby before it's born. That's an unnatural affection. That's not natural. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. They're traitors. They're heady. They're high-minded. They're lovers, get this, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That means if anything else that you want to do comes up to do on church time, you're gone. That's called lovers of pleasures. That's not talking about not wanting to have a good time. It's talking about you're willing to have a good time on God's time. You got six days of the week to have a good time. You got work, you got sleep, you got family time, but there's a little time. Why do you got to take God's time? You want to know why? You got a fake faith. Watch this. 
For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And he says, for, he said, let me go back up to verse 5. They have a form of godliness. They'll tell you they're Christian, but watch it. They deny the power thereof. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're denying the power of the gospel. Christ says when you truly get born again, He saved you from the iniquity. He saved you from your sin. If you're still, have, if you're still okay with sinning after you said you got saved, like you did before you got saved and it don't bother you, you're lost. You did not get born again. You might have spoke some fancy word. You might have had an emotional moment. But you are lost and what you have is fake. Because you've never been sickened by sin. I'm still sickened by sin. I still see it. And I'm sick. And I'm sick at myself every day about when I go astray with God. Whether it's a foul thought or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But it sickens me. And i got to find myself on my face confessing my sins to the Lord. Who says He's just and able to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's one more. I believe this to be the most important part. There's going to have to be a seeking. So there's going to have to be a seeing. There's going to have to be a sickening. There's going to have to be a seeing. I believe we can best define this, what the Apostle Paul's talking about, with another convert that the Apostle Paul had, if you take your Bible to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. We're talking about real faith. This is the Philippian jailer who was an imperialist. You understand what an imperialist is, don't you? That means someone who worships their president or their king as a god. Uh, Japan in World War II we call that was an imperialist nation. They believed that their king was God. That's what an imperialist was. Rome here, Caesar, was a, a, a god in these people's eyes, and this Philippian jailer was an imperialist. That means he was trusting in Caesar as his god. Now, this man, because Paul and Silas were thrown in jail because they were beaten for preaching like I am this morning. And yes, I am thankful to live in America. At least they're not doing that yet, to my knowledge. This man seen those two men, and guess what? Paul and Silas, they didn't get the mully grubs while they were in prison. They began to sing and praise God and count their blessings like we did. You say, well, they didn't have many blessings to count. They'd just been beaten. They were going to take their heads. They had a lot to thank God for. And they began to praise God. And that Philippian jailer seen that and began to work on him. He began to see Christ in them. But then, when that God shook that earth with an er that earthquake and all the doors in the jail come over, boy, that's some Holy Ghost movement. That Philippian jailer knew he was as good as dead because if one prisoner escaped, the king, which was his God, was going to kill him. Boy, he wasn't very merciful, was he? And then he seen himself as lost and undone without hope. 
But then we see here in verse 30, he comes in and he, he's under conviction. And he knows his life's as good as over. And he brought them out, in verse 30, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the seeking. Oh, when a person gets under Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost conviction, they ain't going to sit there like a bump on the log. They ain't going to sit there blowing bubble gum and bump, bump bubbles and just say, yeah, whatever. They're going to say, Preacher, I need some help. What must I do to be saved? And here's what they said, verse 31. They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So here's the seeking. But I need you to pay attention to me now. They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to talk about this word believe this morning. Because... The way we use this word believe is not the way that the Bible uses it. And I'm talking about letting the light of the glorious gospel illuminate you today. Through the years there has been this process of changing the meaning of words. And the word here that's the key to every aspect of the Christian life is the word believe. Unfortunately there has been this erosion of the meaning of this word. So that the meaning becomes changed. Because the common religion and its use of this word today is to agree with. You say you believe, it means you agree with it. To hold to be so. Or to intellectually assent to it. Now this word believe in the Anglo-Saxon, that's where this word comes from as it was employed by the translators, was a far stronger word. The root word, leave, L-I-E-V-E, is this is a two-part word, be-leave. So the root word, leave, comes from the same root word. It has the idea of wanting to go along with. The word love means a desire to go along with. I'm hoping the light of the glorious gospel is shining and beginning to illuminate. And it meant to be in accordance with. If you loved somebody, you wanted to walk with them. You desired to share with them. And love has another form, leave. So another word for love is leave, L-I-E-V-E. -E. And this means in accordance with. The first part of this word, be, B-E. It means to exist. To have being, to believe, would be to pledge your life in accordance with, or your life to go along with. This man was an imperialist. He wasn't going to be able to stay an imperialist and be saved. Let me give you an illustration on this. In England, in the 17th century, there would be a free man living on his plot of ground trying to make a living. But without possession of arms, horses, or soldiers, he would depend on a lord or an earl for protection. So the time would come when some kind of national or international disturbance would threaten the peace of this man. And he would have to decide what would be in his best interests. 
and the call would go out from the Lord or the Earl that he was taking volunteers and deciding that it would be to his advantage to throw his weight in with the Lord, he would go to the Lord's estate and he would take the gold coin of his nobleman and by this means identify himself with the one he now pledged to serve. And thus returning home, he would declare that he had believed on his Lord. Now this meant that he had put himself in accordance with his Lord and he would walk alongside with this Lord By doing so, he had pledged himself to obey, and he was ready to leave his home, his family, when he was called. He was willing to accept all the duties of a soldier and all the consequences of war. He had pledged himself. He had believed. That is what was in the minds of the translators when they used this Anglo-Saxon word, believe, when they took it from the Greek into the English which means to commit yourself to. It is an act of committal. It's a pledge of oneself. And you can see the reason why this word had great significance. Believe means a committal of one's life, a committal of one's property, a committal of one's person, and the past to the one you have believed in. You can see the reason why they chose this word and its proper meaning. You now have a word that has considerable strength and significance to the believer. By the way, this is not the same definition that religion uses, this word believe today. But now you understand what the Apostle Paul meant when he told this Philippian jailer, as he began to seek the Lord, you need to believe. It ain't something that you just agree with. It ain't something you say, hey, I think that's a good idea. This word believe means I'm coming to Jesus. I pledge myself to Jesus. I see myself through God's eyes. And I need a Lord in my life. I need a Savior. This is a moral act of surrender and committal starting in the mind. An act of submission from the heart. An act of abandonment of self. An act of surrender and pledge of the body, the soul, and the spirit. You see, Jesus is calling for volunteers today. He's the Lord. Jesus is calling for volunteers. We're about out of here. The rapture is coming. And if you've not been born again... You better get born again. You say, well, I believe. Did you believe like the Bible defines belief? Have you pledged yourself to Christ? Have you pledged Him, you, your property, yourself, your life? Are you going to go along with, in accordance with God's way, God's law? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you living the life? Of a saved individual, Timothy was. Are you, or do you have one of those fake faiths? Take your Bible to Romans chapter 10. Now that we kind of see a biblical definition of this word. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt what? Believe 
and thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth. What's he saying, preacher? He's saying you cannot get saved until you see and seek God as Lord of your life. He's the Lord of the land. He's your Savior. And you're going to have to believe it with the heart, and that means you're going to pledge yourself to. You're going to see yourself as sickened by your sin. You're going to need some help. You're not going to make heaven. There's nothing you can do to make heaven. And you need God. You need Jesus. And you better hope what you got is not fake. Because there's a whole lot of people going down the Broadway that say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus. Now get this. I don't care what you say. What matters is, does God claim you? Because he says, I never knew him. You want to know why? They never believed. They were never illuminated. The light of the glorious gospel, the devil had them blinded. And they just weren't going to come all the way because they just wasn't sick enough yet of their sin. You say, preacher, what is sound doctrine? I'll tell you what sound doctrine is. It's a sound faith. And it's the preaching. It's sound preaching on what is a sound faith. Now, are there any takers this morning? Are, the Lord is calling for volunteers. There is a national problem. There's a world problem. The Antichrist is coming on the scene. And this is a time of unrest. It's coming. You're going to need Jesus as your Lord and protector. Now let's all stand. Now have you seen yourself through God's eyes? Do you have a feigned faith or an unfeigned faith? You say, preacher, I don't know. Well, then I'd get it right this morning. See, but everybody thinks I'm saved. It ain't up to them. You better hope that God's claiming you. You want to get biblical? <laughs> Paul was persuaded that Timothy was saved. I was telling somebody, it's been a few weeks back, when we have our full crowd, which is about 53 people, there's about six lost people in this church that I know of. You say, how do you know that? Because when I preach like this, I see red. I see some reds. I see some dull returns. Somebody's got a fake faith. And that's why it ain't working out in your life. That's why your life is a disaster. But you ain't sick enough of it yet. He said, oh, no, no, I'm saved. Good. I don't want it. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You know what you did between you and God, but did you believe like this? This is what the Bible's talking about. I need a song of imitation, pretty please, Christopher. <laughs>